Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling. Brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, welcome yeah. back. Last yes. weekend of the Giro. Here we go. Here we go. Nearly the end. Um, three, including today, three big days for the GC. Mm. Um, and to talk about it with us. King Kelly. The Sean. King. The return of the King. Sean Kelly, welcome back. Yes. Good evening. How are you, Sean? I'm feeling good. Uh, finishing this Giro well. It's uh, been an, an extraordinary race. I think it's uh, you know been great racing. It's pretty much going down to the wire. The final day is going to be a, a big showdown. We didn't quite get enough of a gap today gents that we hoped we might to, to really light up GC but that's not to say that we won't get it tomorrow Simon Yates um, riding away on Alpa de Mera uh, on today's 166 kilometer stage it was another revised stage uh, rerouted after the tragic cable car crash um, so the the climb to Motoroni Simon Yates Brad very impressed with him today he was yeah but um, is it too late probably is uh, I think I can't see Burnell cracking to that extreme but Bernal does look a different rider to what he, when he won the other day when he made the statement and said, I'm back and that. Um, there's rumours of back problems and that, but tomorrow's a big day and it goes over quite high altitudes uh, for a lot of the stage, which will suit Bernal. He's a real high mountain man. Um, and that repetitiveness of the climbs, I think, will suit Bernal better than these sort of days where they just, they're up and down all day, sort of nothing too severe, and then they just hit the last climb because it's a real different effort when you hit a climb at the end to, to sort of the whittling down that, and historically over this race, Simon hasn't coped with the days that have been like that. Two category cl- uh, category one climbs tomorrow, Sean. That's going to suit Bernal more than Yates, do we think? Um, I'm not sure because Yates is you know, really in uh, excellent shape. He's finishing this race really strong. He sees that there's an opportunity there and he's going to try and you know, work on that with his team as he did today. Uh, tomorrow, two big climbs you know, going to that um, very high altitude. Um, so it's going to be um, definitely uh, an interesting day and a battle between uh, the GC, GC guys. So I think Yates again, Bike Exchange are going to try and make the race difficult. Other teams as well, I think um, Ducone Quickstep will probably try something the same tomorrow and get Almeida into a good position. So yeah, it's going to be a big battle. Uh, but Bernal, I think uh, we see today that um, he looks to be pretty comfortable. But again... Uh, you know, they can, these big riders, they can hide that very well. But um, yeah, it's uh, whatever is going to, uh, the outcome is going to be, it's going to be a big fight uh, on tomorrow's stage. And yeah, Yates have nothing to lose. You know, he's sitting there in tour position. He's definitely not going to go off the podium. So yeah, give it everything and uh, see what he can do and, you know, see can he crack the guys in front of him. And uh, yeah, Bernal is the one which uh, he will be hoping that will have a bad day. And you have to just never drop your... Uh, you're fighting your spirit and just keep on working at it. Yates had as much as 30 seconds on the final climb today, Brad. Yeah. Ineos and Bernal didn't seem to panic at any stage. Even no, they though didn't. Even though we saw attack after attack going off the front. Yeah. Joao Almeida 
um, who finished 11 seconds behind Yates today. Bernal came in 28 seconds behind Yates, so he's still sitting very comfortably on yeah. GC. But, I mean, we were we were wondering, was he going to crack? Is this is this a sign of, a cra- of, of him cracking? But al- although he shipped a few seconds, he's, he doesn't look as, as vulnerable as he might, and he, he wound it back in. Yeah, I think he just... Um... There must have been a bit of doubt after the other day when he did crack and he obviously didn't have a good day. He's just got to consolidate and limit his losses, really. And there's no point trying to follow when you've got three and a half minute lead, you know, just attacks for the sake of it. He, he still had teammates as well. So he used his teammates well and he just rode from A to B. A 30 second loss is better than trying to go and, you know, leave your teammates behind and then end up, you know, subsequently having the counterattacks after that. Um, you know, but he had the balls enough to leave Caruso go, Almeida. And they just let them hover and drift off. And he used his teammates right up to the end. And then Bernal went. And actually, when he went from his teammates, he had some good legs. Yeah, It showed a lot of maturity, Sean, to just say, okay. He's riding like a Grand Tour winner, which is great. Yeah. You go go off the front. We're going to reel you back in, even though he he knows there's not a lot of road left to go. Well, he is a very uh, calm guy. When it's in the big uh, big moments, he just, uh, you know, able to to control it. And uh, tactically, for a young guy, uh, he is um, able to work the tactic very well. And as Brad said today, you know, we see the guys who are danger to him attacking and just going up the road a bit. But he had confidence uh, in the uh, two teammates, Castroveco and uh, Danny Martinez. And we know that they're really good and he knows that they're really good. We've seen it in the past days. And uh, yeah, just use them, you know, to the last and then uh, you just take it up yourself. And that's what Bernal exactly did. And you know, when you take it up, 6.3 kilometres, I think, was when Yates went in the attack. Almeida, of course, as well, he was out there. When you do that, you know, to keep it going, it is a big, big ask for any rider, unless you're in, you know, on an unbelievable day, a super day, as they say. And uh, I think uh, he just uh, got, as I say, the calculation, he just got it right and he finished uh, comfortably enough. And I think that's what he's working at now. He just wants to, you know, finish, not go into the red at all. He doesn't need to. And... Uh, yeah, thinking of tomorrow to come and also thinking of the time trial. But you can always have a, a problem day because tomorrow, if it's a uh, an action day like we had today or super fast racing, the team might have to ride more. And that was, I think, a big thing today. Boyke Exchange, Ducone Quickstep, they did all the work for which Ineos should have been controlling. Uh, so Ineos just got carried along and they just used their men, you know, uh, very wisely in the end. And uh, it might be the same tomorrow. And that can, you know, uh, be a bit of a problem for Bernal. If he, if he finds himself, you know, without as many teammates in the final, that's always yeah, a concern and a worry. We couldn't work out if Bernal looked comfortable or whether he was suffering in that final kilometre. But you think he crossed the line with some gas in the tank? Yeah, I think he just limited his losses today and probably surprised himself up the climb. Yeah, and I think I think there's that self doubt. Yeah, I actually think he'd probably go into tomorrow's stage a lot more confident now um, that it wasn't he wasn't sliding and this thing wasn't going to get worse and worse and that the other day was just a blip. So he probably rode with himself a bit today, as a bit of fear to push the envelope out too far. Um, and it was just an off day the other day. Am I right in thinking you've had the the word from the the peloton's go to guy um, in terms of the the number one chiropractor? Yeah, I mean those words where his back's hanging off and that there's no one there. I mean, so. Whether that, you know, read into that what you want. But yeah, maybe that with the cold weather the other day, the change in the rest day, you know, he just had a bit of a stiff back or whatever. Who knows? But it certainly didn't look like that today. Um, but there is some mumbling, rumblings. Maybe that's just rumour mill. Who knows? Sean, you think he's comfortable? Well, he looked, uh, the signs he was giving uh, today, he looked uh, comfortable. But again, you know, as Brad said, the back problem 
today was a day where, you know, um, it wasn't one of these big tests for the back and tomorrow is a totally different menu uh, with these, you know, long climbs of San Bernardino. It's, it's a long, long climb. And if the racing is on, you know, over those climbs, well, then if you have a little niggle in your back, it can just get worse because you have to make, you know, that effort, the pressure uh, on the back and in all parts of the body on a long, long climb. Time-wise, it's a long one. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it could be a bit of a more difficult one for him, and yeah, well, you know, we're speculating they're back, and uh, you know, we don't know, uh, but yeah, there could be a little bit of weakness there, and uh, definitely tomorrow would be a day if he has that. Well, then it could cause a bit more problems than we've seen today. Psychologically, how will Ineos have approached it after Bernal's blip in the week to get him back focused, to get him back on track in terms of concentrating on what he needed to do and not worrying about. Am I going to ship more time? Well, I think they're good at that anyway. That's what they do. And, you know, Dave Brailsford's been on the race, hasn't he? And they're very good at just focusing on day-to-day. And even when he won, aside from the sort of saying he's back and he wanted to make a statement, he was quite sort of calm, really, in his demeanour. And I don't think that... Um, they, they're just very good at sort of recalibrating and, um, you know, kind of just taking it day by day. I don't think they'd ever take anything granted or think that it's a done deal. The only time he sort of did really sort of do that was today, really, where he felt like he was having to justify... His condition to the to the reporter on the post race interview, you know, I thought it was quite. He sort of kept saying, um, "I'm happy with my form. I had good numbers today." Um, you know, it was it was sort of all a bit contradictory. Once you start going down that road with a, a reporter post race, immediately afterwards, I mean, you you barely had any time to recalibrate yourself after getting off the bike. It can be very difficult to yeah to turn it around. It is. It? I think cycling is quite difficult for that. Really, I don't think people appreciate that enough that. You know, football, if you score a penalty or miss a penalty, you're not asked to comment on it straight away. You know? Five seconds afterwards, yeah. No, and cycling's like that. You cross the line, a hilltop finish, and they want to know. There's the famous one where Stephen Roach came out, the mist, wasn't it, and, um, on La Planier. And uh, he's collapsed on the side of the road with all oxygen and stuff, and then everyone was asking him, where did you come from, Stephen? Where did you come from? When he caught Delgado, and he's laying on the floor. You know, it's like, well, that's the beauty of cycling as well. But then you get some, you know, as I know too well, you get some... You don't always say the right thing. Have you ever given anything away that you wish you hadn't straight after a race? Oh, I don't know. Probably, yeah. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Go on. No, I don't think uh, you give anything away. When you're in a, in a position as uh, Bernal is in, you know, you're just uh, in a really good position to win the Giro. And if you have a problem there, if the back is giving you problems, you're not going to tell the, uh, the reporters afterwards that, yeah, my back was hurting a little bit on the climb. You give them a load of... Bl- bl- a load of lies, <laughs> <laughs> and you know you just put the uh, put the uh, the good side out. You just give them the impression that yeah, okay, I was comfortable enough. I'm happy with my numbers. I was happy with the way I was riding. Uh, just be positive, and uh, you know, because the other uh, riders and the teams are going to look at that as well. So you cannot afford to you know to give any little doubt there about your shape, about your team, about anything, and. Um, I think uh, any rider immediately after the finish, as Brad said, you know, it's a different thing in cycling. You're asked a question immediately after. But I think, you know, Bernal has been in in the position before. He's won quite a number of races. So he's, you know, uh, he's under the spotlight a lot. And um, yeah, most most of the riders would be able to uh, give, a kind of, give a bluff story to the, the reporters at the finish line. Damiano Caruso came in at 32 seconds with Alexander Vlasov. It was the surge from Simon Yates on the final climb that won it. Here is how Rob Hatch called it for us on Eurosport and GCN+. At the end of the day, on paper, it will look like a good day for Bernal because he will have put more time into his immediate rival. But look out for this man. 
because Simon Yates is on his way back. There's a hilly stage to go tomorrow. First category climbs all over the place. A time trial in Milan to boot on Sunday. And Simon Yates showing he's up for the battle to swing it around at the Giro. Almeida's going to take second place, I think, and take more of the bonus seconds. There should be 4-2 Bernal who looks around. But what is left in the tank there? Yates still gunning for the line. It's been four hours today of absolute full gas racing. The Giro d'Italia at its very best. And the Giro d'Italia is right in play right now. First blow is going to be struck by Bike Exchange. They are right back in it. And Simon Yates is going to take a victory at the top of the Alpidimera. Finish line in sight. Bike Exchange are back. And it's a blow to the Maglia Rosa from the Brit. Stage victory for Yates. Bike Exchange have their glory. And the Giro, with two days to go, is still in play. Zwift is the world's training playground, Brad, where fun takes you further, recreating the outdoor feel of riding on an indoor trainer, something you can get on board with, I think. It does, yeah, and Zwift have done it very well, and they're now the leaders, aren't they, in that world, and um, they've got the likes of Geraint Thomas on board, and, you know, probably can't get... Your old mate, yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, they, they got, did some involvement with Team Wiggins a few years ago, we joined in one of their shops, Pinarello shop um, races one night, and... Mm. My son uses it. I watch him during the winter months. Um, it's something I wish I'd had when I was 15. Definitely just to, from, a, from a safety point of view when you didn't want to let your kids out on the road in the dark. And, and anyone can use it. So, it, you know, you don't, yeah. have to be, you don't have to be G. You don't have to be a pro. You can train with thousands of, of real train, people. Yeah. Like, you can train with anyone. You can ride with anyone um, from the world of pro cycling or from your workplace or school, whatever age you are. Brad, like you say, most of the pros on the World Tour train on Swift. Yeah, hop on any time, heart pumping, intense cycling, join group rides, events and worldwide races. Um, Zwift has nine worlds too, including the stunning Paris and France maps. They've recreated Tour de France stages, um, which gives everyone a chance to experience them. You don't have to have yeah. been Bradley Wiggins to experience what it's no, like to ride at the Tour de France. Uh, you can hit your kilometres with virtual dinosaurs, raging waterfalls, you can be inside a volcano, uh, James Bond-esque, a wide open California desert, plus you can tour London landmarks. All you need is a bike, trainer and Zwift app. Uh, you can get a free seven-day trial, Brad, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, sponsored by Zwift, where fun is fast. Brad, my thinking here after that display from Yates today, is that he's shown just enough and Bernal has shown just enough in the opposite direction to give Simon Yates enough of a boost going into tomorrow's stage to lay it all on the line. What are we expecting from him? I don't think Simon will look into it too much because I think that's why Simon's so good, really. He doesn't get too carried away with his success and he doesn't get too carried away when he's disappointed, you know, in his disappointments. Um, it's what makes him such a good rider. I think he will just execute a game plan um, to go for it, try and win the Giro. And Matt White will do that as well. I don't think he'll concern himself too much of what Bernal is or overthinking it. He's not an overthinker, Simon. He's just straight. And um, I think that they'll, they'll just have a go, as he did today. We've got an interview with Simon Yates. In fact, right after the stage, here he is now. Simon, whatever happens in the next two days, you will not leave the Giro empty-handed. You must be satisfied. No, really happy. Uh, the team did a fantastic job today. Really controlled the start, worked a lot. And I managed to finish it off, so really happy. 
when you attacked with uh, 6.5k to go, was it uh, planned or was it because uh, Almeida was uh, starting to attack? Um, I saw the boys from uh, from Ineos. They were they were happy just to ride a tempo behind, um, and I had a feeling that they would let me go today. Um, I read something about from Egan in the on Twitter or whatever um, about how they would be more conservative and try to control rather than uh, try to go with me. So I had a feeling that they would let me go, and uh, as soon as I attacked, yeah, I saw that was correct. So. Uh, I just tried to ride full gas, and that was it. What's next? Maria Rosa, second place. Happy you still? Uh, look, I, I tried to do my best today. Um, it was not the most difficult of stages. A very difficult final climb. And uh, tomorrow is very different. Uh, very hard stage. Um, back in the high altitude. Um, so we'll see what I can do, but uh, I'm just doing my best at the moment, and uh, happy with the stage win. Congratulations. Thank you. Brad, Damiano Caruso at 2.24 off of Bernal, second on GC. Yates not far behind him at 2.49. Um, Caruso's looking good for a podium here. Yeah, I think surprise to everyone. He almost got unrecognised in second place there. He's been a, a bit of a trier for years and um, he came to this race for Lando, don't forget, and he's found himself right up there in the Giro and... Um, I don't think anyone would have tipped him three weeks ago as to a podium finisher, but I, th I think I could see Simon going past him um, and finishing second. But um, yeah, he'll, I think he'll he'll finish third in the Pajero, and I think I can't see anyone. There's quite a bit of a distance behind that to, to the next people. Can we see Hugh Carthy getting onto the podium here, Sean? A big day from him tomorrow. He's seven minutes and ten down from Bernal. Uh, so I mean. Over four minutes be between him and Yates. No, I don't think. Unfortunately, we see Hugh Carty today. Uh, he was, you know, struggling again, as he has been in the uh, the big showdowns, uh, uh, mountaintop finishes in the past days. And uh, you know, that's that's not a good sign. I think he is uh, starting to suffer. And you know, the time he has to make up as well. Even if he does have a a pretty good day to make up that amount of time, is going to be a difficult one. So, um, I think, uh, as Brad said, you know, Simon Yates. You know, he's in tall position and he's in tall position very solid because when you look behind, Vlasov is a long ways down. So he's going to look forward and he say, well, maybe I can topple Caruso, possibly Bernal. I'm going to go all in here. I'm going to, you know, I'm guaranteed third on the podium and I'm not going to lose my third place. And when you're in that situation, well, then you can't afford to gamble. Where if it was, you know, a rider in fourth place who was a very good time trialist and, you know, he was riding still good, yeah, you'd be a bit concerned about making those efforts because if you pay a bit later. But in the situation Yates is in, I think he can afford to, he can afford to go all in. And uh, even doing that, if it doesn't work out, I can't see him, you know, going slipping down out of third place on the podium. Decanning quick step, gunning it today mm. on the front. Sean, we were speculating whether or not that was because Patrick Lefevre had flown in overnight. The White Wolf, which I've never heard him called before. Yes, well. The Coney Quickstep, they did, uh, you know, an enormous amount of work today. Um, and, uh, yeah, they had, an, uh, the you know, the plan was to get Almeida onto the climb and see could he get a stage victory and move up in the GC standings. Um, and again, Almeida, we could see there, uh, you know, most recently in the mountaintop finishes, he is, you know, finishing this Giro very strong. So, you know, they've got nothing out of the race. So, yeah, try and uh, put him in a position where he can go for a stage victory and move up in the GC standings. 
Uh, again today, you know, he was a, he was that bit short, but he has moved a, he has moved a bit in the GC standings, and yeah, I think uh, tomorrow will, will be this pretty much the same scenario where they will try, you know, make the race difficult and just uh, get him to a point in the race where he will be able to challenge again for a stage win and possibly a better place he move up in the GC standing. After we saw that effort from Almeida on the final climb and James Knox, can we expect them to have much left for tomorrow? Um, yeah, I think so. Almeida's getting better through this race. He's looking really good. Um, makes you wonder kind of that whole team leadership thing and the whole te- leaving the team at the start of the race, how much that impacted on his race because he's looking a better rider in his last few days than he did in the last few days last year. Yeah, and well, exactly. So he's gone yeah. the opposite direction. Yeah, so he, yeah. he fell away last year, whereas this year, as you say. Yeah, no, he's getting better by the day. It just shows you that bit, another year of riding tours in the legs and it does um, take you to another level and he's, he's really excelling now. As a GC man, if you're Hugh Carthy, how do you approach tomorrow, Brian? I think Hugh's, unfortunately for me, you know, I'm a big fan of Hugh. He's been sort of, since that day they took it on in the cold where it got shortened, you know, I think he's um, he seems to just falling away in this third week and that happens at a grand tour you know different riders things happen to your body and as we saw like even a pole shot his load and he was gone completely and um Hugh Carthy I don't know he just seems to plateaued now and I think that podium might have just got beyond him now back to Almeida we don't know where we know he's leaving to Koenig but we don't know where to necessarily is he putting on a show for his his new team he's not necessarily performing in this Giro for his current team he's he's saying to potential suitors all right, guys, you, you could be buying a GC winner here. No, I don't think he uh, he's thinking of his future team. I reckon wherever he's going, I think that's a done deal already because it's been announced by Patrick Lefebvre. Uh, but he wants yeah, to finish this Giro. And to Dukoni Quickstep, I saw his CEO, he wants to uh, get the best result out of this race. And uh, we often talk about these guys, you know, if you start the tour, you're not in your best shape. Weather conditions in this Giro were horrible. And... You know, you can get caught out in that way because um, when you get the bad conditions and you're not in your best shape and the race was really difficult because it was aggressive racing, very, very fast racing because of the conditions, you get caught out, you're not in your best shape and now he's finishing real strong. So, you know, the timing coming into a three-week tour is so important for some riders to get it exactly right. And uh, if Almeida, you know, was that bit better in the earlier days, he didn't lose that time or he didn't have to wait for Evenpool, yeah, well, then he would be in a total different uh, place in the GC standing. So, yeah, the, you know, the fine-tuning, getting it right where you are at the start of a tour is so important now. How are Ineos doing it this evening? How are they approaching tomorrow? What's the mood in the camp, if you like? What's Dave Brailsford saying to his riders? How They'll are they be confident. They'll be confident. They've, they've done... They've, they've ridden flawless the whole three weeks, really, other than today where they missed that split and Martinez was caught in the wrong side of it, but... You know, Ghana, Pucho, all those guys, they're all going to be doing what they've done for the last couple of weeks. They'll have faith that Egan can get this job done. He might not be the Egan of a week ago where he's jumping away and taking minutes on people, but I think tomorrow's his domain, really, and they'll they'll ride offensively. They'll take up the reins, probably, and it's for Simon to attack from behind. And I think I think they'll do it, really. How did you sum up how you'd be feeling at, at this point in a, in a Grand Tour earlier? I think you said institutionalised exhaustion. Yeah, you just get used to one day turns into the next and it happens so quick. You know, you wait in the days before these grand tours to start. And every every you know, when you start the first few stages sort of go quite slowly and it's like, God, we got three weeks of this. By the time you get to this point, three weeks ago seems like three months ago. And um, you know, you're off the bike, 
to the hotel. By the time you get there, it's the next day. It's just you, you're either sleeping, eating your bike, eating or riding. You know, it's um, if, if one day turns into the next. Um, and you don't even have time to think whether you're tired or not. As soon as they get back on the bike in the morning, it will feel like an hour since the last stage finished. And you, you, you stop thinking how your legs are going to feel. I wonder if I'm going to be on a good day to... You almost start off where you set off. If you finish tired, the stage, in, in a bit, you tend to start quite heavy the, the next day. If you finish good, like Simon Yates today, you probably won't feel his pedals in the morning. You know, and... Do you get ratty with each other when you're so tired, when you're all this tired? I don't this know, tired? really. I mean, yeah. I, I sort of tended to ruin my own, so I don't know. Sometimes you've got less riders in the bus as well. Like Lotto have only got two right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think I don't think uh, you get ratty. Well, I certainly did. Maybe Brad, I don't know. No, I, I didn't. I, I didn't really. <laughs> but uh, you know, you you know, you know that uh, you're in there, and uh, it was in the big days, the mountain days, the final week, the final days of a big tour. It's always going to be difficult, and physically, you know, it's it's very demanding. And uh, you you know, you finish the day very tired. But as Brad said. You know, if you're if you're finishing strong at the end of a stage, a mountain top finish, and finishing strong means you're in control of where you are if you're the race leader or if you're fighting to move up in the GC standings. And if you're in control of that, uh, and you're you know you're producing the results, maybe not as as good as you're expecting, but still, you know they're very very promising and great performance. You know that gives that morale boost as well. And when you have the morale and you feel physically pretty okay. You know, then it's uh, it's a great it's a great place to be, and there's a lot of riders in this race who have went by the wayside. I think Evanpool he was suffering. We see him fatigue set in because of the circumstances where he's been coming from, and when you know the big fatigue gets into you, well then you're you know you you finish the stage really rocked, shaken, you're weak, and the next morning you wake up and you can feel you haven't recovered. You know you know that feeling, and um, you know the the big guys. You know, the guys are challenged to win the race. They recover so well, and Bradley will be aware of that. So, yeah, the, the feeling is so important. And, uh, yeah, if you're in the race and you're up there in the action, that gives you a real good morale boost, but it also tells that physically you're feeling okay. Last question for you on GC. Brad, are we backing Bernal to win the stage tomorrow? And are we backing him to put the Giro to bed? No, I think Simon will win the stage. Yeah, I'm going for Simon. Sean, what's your prediction? Looking at uh, the situation, the way the GC is sitting, there's going to be there's going to be a battle, and uh, bike exchange again are going to try something, possibly quick step, you know, to get something out of this race with uh, Almeida. And you know, when you put all of that into the pot, I think it's going to be another very difficult day. There will be a battle, you know, between the GC the GC guys again. I think Bernal will just monitor the situation with his team, and we see the way Ineos are riding. You know, they don't chase breaks when there's no need to. Again today, you know, they, they weren't taking it up and we've seen that in this race and I have certainly noticed they haven't been as keen to take it up and chase breaks that are not of any danger at all. Where in the past, I remember last year in the Vuelta, they were chasing breaks there and there was no need to chase them and they were keeping the time down to the limit when there was no need to do that. This, 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 this Giro, they have, you know, really tactically got it right and only chase when they need to do that. And I think that'll be the case tomorrow. And we know the team is real strong. We've seen the Royals can stay with Bernal in the climb. And I think Bernal will just monitor it, follow it, and he will win the stage at the end of tomorrow's uh, mountaintop finish. Well, we look forward to finding out. We'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins show after this. 
Macca's collective cover is made especially for cyclists. This is bicycle insurance made for everyone, from Grand Tour winners to cyclists hitting the pedals for the first time. Lacquer has transformed traditional insurance with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month, meaning you could pay nothing if nobody claims. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Claims are handled by Lacquer's team of cycling experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. The Bradley Wiggins Show listeners can get their first 30 days free. Head over to www.lacquer.co and sign up using the code WIGGINS. Brad, Peter Sagan, we saw the Maglia Ciclamino stopping other riders going up the road yesterday, stopping other riders trying to get away in the break, in effect, so that he could secure the jersey, yeah. really without having to ride. Yeah, I mean, I don't. he didn't read. Really stop them per se did he I mean he was just they've called it intimidation haven't they um, it's always happened in cycling I think it always happened in cycling as well really I mean days of Cipollini doing it Bernardino Lance you know it's um, it happens in amateur cycling it happens kids racing to be honest I mean it's part and parcel of unless he, unless it gets physical then I guess he runs someone off the road which does happen as well then I think you know, maybe that's the days maybe needs to, maybe it needs to change. People watch it on telly, but I don't know really. I just um, it doesn't feel like it's within the spirit of the game. Well, I don't know, but what is the spirit of the game? It's always been like that since. I mean, you want to go back even further, Van Loy and Van Steenberg and all these guys. It was a lot worse. It, you know, it was like mafia proper. It happens. Do we think it's fair, Sean, that they've taken so they find him, Sagan? They've stripped him of UCI points for this, but none of this will affect his standing in the sprinters' classification. So the, the jersey will be that there are no more sprinters points left to take. The jersey is his as it stands. So long as he finishes in Milan, he will walk away with the Malia Ciclamino. Yes, well, as Bradley said, you know, it's nothing new. It's always been in cycling. And I remember my first uh, uh, Tour of France was Bernardino uh, after a big mountain stage. You know, he would be on the front there and he'd patrol and he'd say to the guys, OK, we're taking the first 80 kilometres easy now because this is a flat day. And then we will race in the final 100k. And if somebody attacked, they would get a mouthful from Bernardino. I've seen it and, you know, the things he have said to riders. But going to Sigan yesterday, he was very aggressive. He was he was weaving in front of the peloton. Um, he was, you know, blocking riders when they were trying to move. You could see he chopped, at least on two occasions, he chopped very heavily. And I said it on the commentary. I said, you know, he's getting very aggressive there. And, you know, you can't sit on the front with your teammates and just, you know, try and block the road uh, and chase down riders. When riders go on the attack after the breakaway, if there's one or two riders, go on the wheel immediately and just leave them see that you're not going to allow them to get away. But the way Sagan carried on yesterday, um, I'm not surprised that he was uh, fined. Uh, luckily for the uh, Moyo Ciclamino, he didn't get any points taken off him. So, yeah, he, he, he I think he got away in that situation pretty lightly but I'm not sure the regulation as well you know all these UCI regulations there's so many of them there I'm not sh- I'm not sure exactly what the regulation is for something like that maybe it's something a new one which they will you know look at and they will decide yes well that has to be a certain regulation 11.000 this sort of uh, thing so it, it's uh, it could be a new one that we see uh, uh, points being docked for green jersey, time-wise, all of that. But yeah, Sagan, he was docked fifty points in uh, in the UCI rankings. That is quite a lot, like to get you know to get those points back. So yeah, he did uh, he did get a pretty severe punishment. 
Brad, you've been on the other end of it, wanting to go up the road and being told, no, back in your box, mate. No, I mean, I have. I have certainly, um, I mean, I remember my first game, we game, coming up the outside, just bringing a teammate up, Mario Cipollini telling me to go back. Yeah. Cav used to do it. Cav used to bark at other other riders. Yeah, only when he was doing the job for me when I had the yellow jersey in the tour, he would he would do that. But, I mean, I did it when um, there was all the pins at the top of the climb in the tour, and I, we chased after um, Pierre Roland. But it wasn't in a way of diminishing him or embarrassing him. But you know, someone sometimes there are moments where you have to take the lead, and they they don't take no one takes the sort of patronship if you want or the lead when it want, when it needs taken on. If there needs to be unity, everyone sort of stands back. And, but then when it's something like this, when racing's happen and everyone wants to get a break and they're entitled to, then you find that people like Sagan, but come forward and, and and try and dictate the race. But sometimes they need a bit more leadership when they actually need it. But with you, with the pins on the road at the tour, that wasn't necessarily tactical. Maybe, no, it, maybe it was. No. That was more, look, there are pins on the road. Yeah. Everyone's getting caught out here. We just need to stop and reset. Yes. It wasn't, uh, if I stop now and tell everyone to slow it down yeah. and, and just fall in behind yeah. me, then it's going to give me a massive tactical advantage. No. And the thing with it is, well, there's the hierarchy in the peloton. If, um, if someone, a bigger rider, had attacked, then Sagan wouldn't have done that because he'd have had peer, like mutual respect for him, you know? They only do it to the lesser riders, and that's always the way as well, you know? Yeah. So he's a, are we saying Sagan was effectively being a bit of a bully? <sighs> Not really a bully. I wouldn't use that word, but it's definitely... Um, there's a hierarchy in the peloton still. Throwing his weight around, yeah. Yeah. Sean, you've seen Bernardino do it. Yes, I did. Uh, in my first Tour of France, uh, after a mountain stage, Eno was trying to keep calm for you know, a certain amount of kilometres on a flat stage, and... Uh, riders attacking, he just chased him down and, uh, you know, said to the rider, okay, you know, we're not racing now for the first 80 kilometres or whatever. If you do that again, you'll not win another race in your career. It takes quite a strong rider, particularly as a youngster, to stand up to that sort of... does, yeah. ...that sort of line and, and, and be confrontational. Yes, well, I think, uh, you know, back uh, in my time, certainly, uh, you know, you had the patrons in the peloton, you had the Enos and you had... Jan Rass and you had uh, Freddie Martins and all of those guys and you know they had a lot of authority and I think the newer riders the uh, the younger riders coming in respect them a bit more where now we hear from a lot of the you know the current day riders who've been in there for a number of years they say you know the young guys they have no respect you know they just will go for a gap when it's not there and you know they will just chop under you going into a corner and yeah, that's 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 what that's the way bike racing is at the moment. And yeah, that's that's what we see yesterday. And we see Sagan trying to you know stamp his authority and uh, you know just uh, control the other guys, the lesser teams, the lesser riders. But there's a way in doing that as well. You can't you know you, you can't be too um, do it too dangerously. I suppose you know we could see that it was quite aggressive by Sagan yesterday. And um, yeah. I was looking at the stage later on and I think it was Frank Killin. He said, you chopped me or something like that, he said to Sagan. So there was a discussion about that in the peloton after the break had established yesterday also. Brad, I always think of that Floyd Landis line from the Lance Dock, the recent Lance Dock, where he basically says most bike riders are actually quite quiet people and they don't relish confrontation. Mm. So, I mean, is, is, that, is that fair? Yeah, Do I mo- think Would so, most yeah. riders just... But, yeah, just... I think um, different animals come out on the bike, you know. I mean, Bernal's the same off it. He's very gentle and placid on the bike. You know, he's a killer. Chris Froome, people like that. You know, it's what? Yeah. The most aggressive ones off it aren't really that good on the bike. You know, and I think it's just it's something. It's something. 
cycling's a mental sport. It's not a physical sport in um you know, like rugby and things like that. It's um it's a mental strength, a mental toughness that is ultimately defines the great from the good. Sean, did you find the same thing? Yeah, I think uh you know, uh, in general I think yes uh you know, most of the riders are pretty calm um off the bike and on the bike, but uh you know, we we see you know very important moments where there's panic and uh, you know riders uh, the character come out a bit more than you're expecting. But in general, I think uh, you know most of the riders are uh, are quite calm and able to keep a cool head. And I think that's your that's what you need in 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 the race because you know there's so many there's so many things that go on during the race during your career. You have to be able to you know control yourself and control your your way of reacting to the other riders and in situations in the race. Most aggressive characters in your time, Bernardino aside, who else? We, who else springs to mind? Michel Zanoli. Yeah, well, there was a lot of there was a lot of less uh, known riders. I think uh, you know. I suppose the the sprinters are probably the ones which maybe are more aggressive because that's that mentality. You know, that explosive uh, mentality, and uh, it does come out on that character a bit. And you know, there is. There is, and there has been a number of riders. I think, uh, you know, we've seen that, you know, show that a bit more. But uh, did you race for Mark Demeyer in Flandria? Yes, he was a tough man, wasn't he? Yeah, although again, he was, you know, he was a tough one. But I think, uh, you know, his character was quite good. He was, you know, uh, very, very demanding. Uh, shouted a lot at the teammates mm. when they had to work on that. Um, with other teams as well, you know, a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of rivalry and a, and a lot of you know getting into a position for the sprint with Freddie Martins, but he was a, he was a rider who was able to keep his keep his head as well in in situations because I learned with Mark Demeyer, Freddie Martins in my first years as a pro. Would you have said you were an aggressive rider? No, I think I learned also to be uh, quite calm. I think you know I I was I'm that sort of guy. Um, you know that's your mentality. You know you from a younger age. You probably show that, and your upbringing, and all of that, that kind of a bearing on it. And I, I was always a pretty calm guy, and I think I carried that pretty well through my career. Brad, how do you think of yourself? Completely opposite to my dad. My dad was a lunatic. He punched a lot of people. He got taken to court by Robert Dill Bundy, the Olympic pursuit champion. He was um, really aggressive off the bike as well. Um, you raced with him, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, a number of years. Didn't punch you, did he? No. <laughs> no, no. He, he really liked Sean. He was always a big fan. Yeah, we of had a good, I remember we raced yeah. a lot in Belgium. We had, you know, yeah. a very good, uh, a good relationship. We always, you know, had a, had a chat during the race. Yeah, no, but he was really handy with his fists. He was like, you know, he couldn't handle his drink and that. But he, um, I wasn't, no, I wasn't, I was, I was one for shouting and swearing a bit. Maybe more at journalists, actually, than the riders. <laughs> um, but, I remember. I always remember when I was eighteen, watching Bobby Julik have a fight with Jerome Blyleben's on the parry on Champs Elysees. I wouldn't have called Julik for a fighter. No, he was getting punished. Julik was right. getting punished <laughs> by Jerome Blyleben's. Yeah, and it, it happens a lot. There was one year in the Vuelta as well. I remember Bernesto rider and a Kelme rider got off the bike and they were fighting with their shoes slipping in the plates. proper handbags. But yeah, it happens. You know, it happens a lot, doesn't it? I mean, the guy we saw today, Crash Brambilla, got thrown out the Vuelta a few years ago, didn't he, for punching them? You know, it's. Just, yeah, I mean, but it's quite often not reflective of what they are off the bike. There's a great Mike Tyson line from the uh, the comedy film Tour de Pharmacy. He says, uh, cyclists are tough in, in terms of their endurance, but a great deal of them fight like little mm. <laughs> Is that a fair summation? Yeah, probably, yeah. We might have to bleep that out, Pete. 
Um, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. Thank you as ever, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Graham. Where can we follow you both on social media, Brad? There we go. And Sean? At Sean Kelly CC. You can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to our producer, Pete Burton. Finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share your thoughts, and rate us. See you tomorrow. Au revoir. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.